Welcome to the Symbolic Lodge of Conversation, where consciousness and curiosity interweave into discussion. This is All Square Podcast. I'm your host, R.L. Franks, and today's guest has been a Mason for over two years. His daily job is in IT, but he's going to tell you his journey as he immigrated from Peru to the United States and living the life as a man as well as a Mason. This is the story of Hector Alcantara. Hector, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me here. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. I mean, we've met online. You knew my producer. You've been a Mason for two years. I can't wait to dive into your story and to learn more about you. But I want to first ask the question, Alcantara, what does it mean? It, it, it It's... um. Funny that you asked because um, I didn't even know what my last name meant until a few years ago, a co-worker um, who was from Lebanon asked, what does your last name mean? And I tell her, it's just a last name. And she tells me that means under the bridge. Under the bridge? Under the bridge. And at that point, I didn't, I didn't uh, think that it could be true. And until I confirmed, you know, I did a little bit of research, and yes, effectively, it's a word that um, it's an Arabic last name, and that somehow got into Spain, and then from Spain came down to South America. Wow, so, so an Arabic class name that traveled all the way to South America and your family has this. That's pretty correct. awesome. Correct. So you've been in the States for how long? Because you're originally from Peru, just for the um, viewers watching at home. Yes, um, I've been here for about 21, 22 years. I spent my childhood and adolescence down in Peru. Um, when I was 23, it was when I came. What part of Peru? Um, the north part of Peru. It's called Trujillo, um, eight hours away from the capital, Lima. Nice. So what was life like growing up in Peru as a child? Um, I would say it was a uh, uh, it was a normal life. Uh, I know that uh, since I was a child, I had a a, a big interest into the culture. Uh, Peru is a country. Uh, I would say that it's uh, it has a lot of American influence. Uh, since since um, since I was a child, I was very interested in learning the language. Um, and and that's where my interest started. I wanted to um, learn different languages. I, I had a chance to learn a little bit of French, English, uh, because I do speak Spanish. Uh, when I was a kid, going to an Italian um, Catholic school, I was able to learn a little bit of Italian. So I understand a lot of Italian, French, um, part Portuguese. English as well and as well as Spanish. Wow! So you're just a world traveling man who knows all these a little bit of all these different languages. 
enough to be dangerous, I'm assuming? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Okay. I, I even surprised myself that, oh, because when I'm watching movies, sometimes, you know, there's um, a lot of actors that they do speak other languages. And sometimes I surprise myself and I say, hey, I'm surprised I understood that. <laughs> <laughs> so being a being here in America, how did you find Freemasonry? Oh, if Freemasonry was something that I... Uh, I found out mostly because my father was a, a, a Mason. Okay. He he was a Freemason in, in Peru. And I didn't find that out until I was here living in the States because I came as an exchange student and trying to learn the culture, um, improve my English. And then... Over the years, I had the opportunity to go to school here, and I stayed. Um, so, were you in Ohio at the time? No, when I first came here, I went to Wisconsin, and then okay. from Wisconsin to Ohio, and then Florida, and um, I lost track of what we were. We were. We were just talking about how you got into masonry. You oh, said you, yes. Yeah. So, thank you, my father. Um, was a Freemason. So what really interested me, it was the warmth and the family atmospheres that I felt when, um, well, this this was an unfortunate event because uh, the experience that I had was when my father passed. Um, he had a Masonic funeral and I had to go to down to South America and that's, that's when I was more exposed to um, with my now brothers. So you had, I just just for some context. So you had your father passes. You're you're in America. You go to Wisconsin, Ohio, Florida. Your father passes. So sorry to hear that. You go back to Peru and you experience a Masonic funeral. Correct. Correct. Wow. And not only it, it was really interesting because at the showing there was a um, Masonic funeral and then when he when we went to the cemetery there was another um, burial like a, a burial right yes it, it was it was different um, and it was because my father was a part of two different lodges. Oh, okay. So I was able to experience those two, and I, and I, I think that was very. Um, it really touched me. Sure. I was very, we'll say, very vulnerable at that time, mm -hmm. and it really impressed me when I actually saw all the brotherhood. So, having said that, when I came back. I started to uh, research a little bit more, and I reached out to one of the lodges in Florida, and that's how I actually got into masonry. Oh, and what year was this? It took to, um, 2016 is when my father passed, and then I started joining the lodge in 2019, right before the pandemic. That's oh. another story. <laughs> 
Well, it definitely in a future episode, I am going to be doing a pandemic episode because that was a whole nother uh, yes. life we both lived <laughs> being a Mason in the pandemic. Uh, I can only imagine how Florida was. Ohio was shut down. Michigan was way worse. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so. But- so 19, you're like, you're 16, your father passes. You are like, man, I, there is something here. I just saw this Masonic funeral service twice, one at the showing, one at the funeral. You're experiencing some kind of brotherhood, some kind of connection with what you're seeing go on. Because it's really, Masonic funeral service is really the time where we, we get to say goodbye. Yes. And I think masonry reminds us of that that memento mori remember you will die and those funeral services man i mean i get choked up a lot of the times when i'm at a uh showing because all the memories you have i mean and it's your father so that's a whole nother layer um did your dad talk about masonry no not not too much not too much and when i was uh down there um, on his last days, um, he actually was not able to talk. He was not able to talk. Um, I remember that he did certain signs that it didn't make sense back then, but yeah. uh, now I can understand sure. what happened. Yeah. Um, your father never really, you said your father never really talked about it uh, to you growing up. He never tried to invite you into the fraternity. Correct. Why do you think that is? He said, "Is was he very? Vo- he wasn't vocal about being a Mason, right? He's more stoic." Yes. Um. Yes. My father was a person who would not uh, actually share uh, much of his experience, let alone share something about work. He was a lawyer, and you know, there's always this page or I mean, client confidentiality. So he wasn't much able to talk about work, um, but um, the only th- he was he was a very smart person though he would he want he always liked to learn, and he was very uh, I would say uh, intellectual, and many people um, colleagues from him would uh, would come to him for advice on his field. Um, but as as far as um, showing feelings and all of that, he was a very old school, and sometimes we weren't able to tell we weren't able to to tell if he was happy, he was mad, mad, um, or upset. You know, most of my friends, every time that they would see my father, they would say, is your dad upset? Is he mad at us for some reason? And I would say, no, he's just like that. If you talk to him, he's he's he, he's fine. He he will come to you and talk to you and make jokes and all that. Uh, he's just a person that doesn't show much of his emotions. Yeah. Um, you see that a lot in um late or um older generations where they just kept everything close to the chest sweep it under the rug if they're upset not really deal with it i bet there is a definitely a culture clash with growing up in peru and then seeing kind of like how people are talking to their parents in america which they're a little bit more vocal Would yes you agree? yes absolutely absolutely um 
one uh, in one opportunity i was very shocked when i when i would hear something that somebody was telling to their parents and i would be like very very surprised and i was like really did that really just happen <laughs> if i would have said something like that you know back in peru i would have got my mouth slapped or something like that. <laughs> it, 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 it was definitely an adjustment for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So come back after the funeral, 2019, you're looking for this. You're in Ohio at this time or are you in Florida at this time? It, I was in Florida. Okay. I was in Florida. I joined Masonry when I was in living in Florida. Nice. What part? Orlando, Central Florida. Okay. What was the process like to join Masonry? Um, it's it's pretty much the same. Um, you know, all you, all you have to do is just reach out one, reach out to one of your lodges and request information. Get a hold of the secretary, and they will give you all of the details to join Masonry. Now, I don't know how the process is down in. Florida, but were you a traditional Mason? Did you go through the, each of the degrees or did you have like a one day class? Because we have very familiar with one day classes in Ohio. Haven't really happened a lot this year, but in years past, you know, where you get all three degrees in one day. That was that was something that um, I've never heard of until I came here and Somebody share uh, their experience, and I'm not sure if it was here in this uh, podcast. <laughs> but uh, no, usually you go through your first degree, and then your second degree, and then your third degree, and in between, you know, pandemics, closing airports, and delays, and all of that. <laughs> that that was pretty much my experience. It kind of like it elongated my my time. Um, during you know each each step of the process okay um and this is 2019 we're heading right into the pandemic that's why it took so long to get these degrees and be a part of it correct correct yeah and not only that um it's it's because when excuse me when i go when i go to peru um i usually go and spend um a few weeks, a month or two. And I remember when um, back, I think, I believe in 2001, it was uh, the first time that I spent like more than one or two weeks as I usually would go to. And I was there for two months. And, and I remember I was just able to get here back to the states because 15 days later they closed all the airports oh wow so i was supposed to come back to peru and i couldn't i i remember that uh, i had some business to do down there in peru and i had my a plane ticket to go back in may but i couldn't go back in may because the airports were closed the pandemic the pandemic was happening um so i had to move it over until the next opportunity which was around december when uh, everything reopened back up so i went back to peru for another month and then i came back on 2001 2003 you know 
February 2003. So in between all of those trips and the pandemic, so uh, and when trying to catch up with uh, Freemasonry as well, um, it's kind of like um, it, it was kind of like you're doing something, but then you get interrupted, and then you're doing it again, and then it gets interrupted. Yeah. You know it. But finally, I and, and right now it gets interrupted too because I moved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand, man. You're getting so excited. You're getting all in the mix of it. You're meeting all these people, and then nobody planned the pandemic to happen. Exactly. And then you have to, like, you got to stall. And then you're like, but you kept that fire going. You're going after it. You're chasing it. And you get through your degrees, and now you're Correct. a master mason. Have you have you had the opportunity to go back to Peru as a master mason, visit any lodges? Yes, yes, and and every time I go to uh, go back to Peru, um, I I learn something new or I find something new because my my father had so many regalia. So sometimes because nobody in my family is a Freemason, uh, my my siblings they. Would tell me, hey, you know, I found this is for this is for my for my dad. This, it, take it with you because we don't use it here. Mm. Take it with you. Take it with you. So a lot of a lot of things that I found in regard. This is actually him. Oh, that's your dad's See, hat. This hat. This hat is is from him, and I, I have a few other other hats and all of his uh, pins and all of that. Um, I actually have his apron as well. Nice. Yes. Nice. So I have it in a frame at home. Very cool. I'd love and, to see it sometime. And all the some literature that he had too, and so that was my experience. And and during this time in years that I wasn't able to uh, be active because of you know whatever the case may be at the time, I was still involved learning, you know, reading, learning new things. So you were reading Masonic books. Uh, usually literature that he um he had okay in spanish correct in, in spanish. spanish okay uh all right any well-known books that's really you know impacted you on this journey into masonry um there was there was a couple of them that i really um it really impacted me but it was it was kind of like the the books that we have the catechisms. Mm-hmm. It didn't have much of uh, um, information as to. I think it was. Um, it it was um, Peruvian um, masons. Nice from from uh, Peruvian. It has Peru has a lot of history with masonry. Really, because of um, the the conquistadors that they came to Peru. Okay. So um, most of them, um, similar, like in the United States, you know, you have it is very well known that you know George Washington was a Freemason. So similar to Peru, a lot of like uh, people uh, from the military and politics were also Freemasons, and they also left, you know, their uh, legacies, and their legacies were usually in, in books that they wrote. Uh-huh. So. That's uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I read a lot about what's going on in the world, the masonry, and I've actually hear that in Peru, in South America, in Brazil, 
masonry is really growing right now. It's on fire down there. Um, I have a few friends from some different parts. So what's the community's take of masonry in Peru? Are they for it or do they think it's all you know like what we see in america illuminati's running it you know dark forces <laughs> do like how does the culture embrace masonry do they embrace masonry well that's that's a very interesting question um i'm glad that you asked because um during uh, during the time when i was in peru uh you know i i spent my first 23 23 years in Peru. And back then, I was not too much having exposure to masonry. Um, it, wasn't was, in, it wasn't in like pop culture? No, not, not too much. Okay. Even, even, though, even though I was uh, um, involved into a lot of um, intellectual society, um, I have a lot of family either on my dad's side as well as my mother's side that they um that they are lawyers and sometimes um you you don't realize that you don't really know if someone is a, is a mason you don't really know but then when you learn about freemasonry then you kind of understand a little bit you know oh well, this person behaves this way, and this person does this, this, you know, acts this this certain way. So you kind of like relate sometimes. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, so a lot of um um a a lot of I would say, um, there is a lot of uh, Freemasons I would say in Peru that uh, I didn't even know they were, and then. Now that I have more exposure, because I know um, I was able to meet my father's brothers, which you know they are my brothers as well. Um, I I can I can you know see oh well we 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 are a, a a a big brotherhood and it keeps growing you know yeah absolutely yeah. I think it's needed now more than ever with how crazy it is in the West. And it is crazy in the West, in my opinion. You know, everybody wants to be a rebel f- with a cause. And, you know, everybody's at each other's throats pushing their agenda and what they want. <clears throat> I, you know, I hope that we, as a culture here in America, be able to find a solution to a lot of the issues that shouldn't even really be issues right. in today's society. This journey into Freemasonry, meeting your dad's Masonic brothers, coming here and forging relationships what does that meant to you you um you mean like like um making free, these freemasons come into yeah like meeting the men in florida meeting brethren up here in ohio you know how does how is freemasonry what is freemasonry meant to you and this journey, because I know there was a lot of starts and stops, right, start and stops, right. start and stops. And you're really just at the tip of the iceberg of what masonry truly is. Right. Well, I was really an open-minded person. Yeah. I, I always, as I say, like to uh, learn and um, 
um, learn from different cultures, I always had that interest. So I'm very open to a different type of societies and people because it, it is, I guess it's nature in me. I really like to learn from people, you know, uh, their cultures. And I think that's why I, I learned so many different languages. And Freemasonry, it's, it's not different because you, you have people from so many different walks in life. And you, you learn within each other as well. And, you know, it, it made me, I, I guess, Masonry, what made me understand is to better know myself. Mm -hmm. Have you, there are people who believe that Masonry is not, in America is just nothing but a bunch of old white men. Coming from another country, coming to the States and becoming a brother, meeting brethren from over in Peru, meeting brethren here in America. Have you ever felt like you were treated different when you've been to a Masonic Lodge because you're not from America or you're not a white guy? You know what I mean? Because that stereotype needs to be smashed that it's an old white man's club, okay. in my opinion. Uh, tell me if you disagree. Well, I know I'm different. Right. So starting are. starting with myself, I know that people don't look at me in the same way. So what I had to learn is how to really understand myself, how to learn um, myself first before I start, um, I would say, analyzing other people. Mm -hmm. And... I never, I was a person who never wanted to be confrontational or to get into an argument because of the background that I have with family. Um, I was always taught to keep things peaceful. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to see all of my um, fellow students that they will get into arguments, they will get into a fight. It's something that is inevitable. Sure. You will see it in the school. But I was a person who was very peaceful, the person who would not like to get into arguments with others. So I'm very um, tolerant. Mm -hmm. So the, and, and that's something that I became to realize that. So there is always good in something bad. Right. You know, I I I, I don't think it's it's it could be that there is a stereotype down there, mm -hmm. but that depends on the perspective of the person that is, you know, seeing it that way. Sure. You know, it, it's all different type of realities because my experience may not be the same as yours. Right. But you've never felt any way treated differently inside the in a you know a lodge here in the states, correct? Like everybody's been welcoming, correct? Learning about the culture here mm -hmm. made me um, actually pick up on things that maybe I shouldn't. Okay. When I first came here, I was told. Excuse me. Um, 
you have an orientation when you, when you come to the States. Yeah. And this all, they all say, okay, you're going to a different country. You have to realize about their uh, history. True. And you have to realize that there are some things that you cannot say. There are some things that you cannot uh, talk about. Mm -hmm. And it, it all be, it, it's all because of the history, you know. Yeah. And because of the laws too, you know, there's mm -hmm. there's certain laws um, regarding to uh, discrimination and the history uh, of America. Uh, but being raised in a different country, where where uh, where I, for example, what I don't experience that, and so I come here and I see you as my equal. So I would go to anywhere, sure. anywhere. I would go to any type of uh, stores, bars, parties, and I would talk to different people. And it didn't matter to me if they were Chinese, uh, if they were black, if they were white. It didn't matter to me because I didn't feel different. Yeah. But sometimes when you start learning history, then you start, you, you, you become or you, you learn that some people may feel different because of the history that they had or their grandparents or, yep. you know, the great-grandparents, and they may start developing some sort of um, negativity. You know, people act because who they are. Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they are acting because you are different or because you are um because of your religious views, because of your um, ethnic um, background, it's it's just the way how you see it, how you feel it. Yeah. And and I did I didn't have that when I came, but I have to learn it, and then forget it, and then relearn it, and then forget yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, because so, inside the lodge, we're all equals. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's one thing I wanted to you know definitely talk about because. We've had John Tate, uh, who was a previous guest of our show. He was talking about how, you know, nobody looked at him different just because he was half white and half black. Right. Right? Yeah. In the lodge. We're not taught to do that. Race, greed, color. You know, we're all on the level. It doesn't matter if somebody's a custodial worker, which is where I started, to a Fortune 500 executive or the President of the United States. Right. You know, we're taught to, we're men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Fortunately, there's some states in this country that still have a little bit of issues with that. But in Ohio, thank God, everybody treats everybody equally. And there is that respectability that we're taught um, as brothers and as men in our teachings. Correct. So, Correct. yeah. I, uh, so if, if that's that's the way I feel. That's the way I think. And if someone else thinks otherwise, that's on them. Absolutely, a hundred percent. What are you looking for now in masonry? Um, ma masonry. What I'm looking uh, for now is to um, continue, continue being involved in 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 the fraternity. Um, as I said, I had some step backs. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I think it's it's time for me to get back in track and and continue with uh, the legacy that um, 
my father was going through. Yeah. Have you found a lodge in the area in Northwest Ohio? Uh, not just yet. Not just yet. Have you been to any of the lodges in Northwest Ohio? I know when I visited last year, I was able to go to, I believe, three around the area. But I was just visiting. I didn't think that I was going to be moving back to Ohio. Uh, but now that the that we're going to resume with the meetings, um, then um, yeah. I, I shall come. Well, during the summer, I don't know how it's... I don't know how it's like in Florida, but in the summertime, July and August, we take the summers off to be time to spend time with family. Um, we'll be back here in a. We're actually it's September now. Uh, now that when this recording's actually happening, so I can't even believe that. So yeah, lodges should be starting back up. I would love to bring you out to uh, Rubicon where me and Mike are members at, so you can check out what we got to offer over there. Thank you. I'll be honored to go. Yeah. Thank you. Why do you think this fraternity exists? Never thought about that before. Um, however, um, I believe it's because we as a whole need to make things better. If you know, there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. Nothing is perfect. We're all not perfect. We're not, we're not gonna get to perfection, but um, we can still make things better. Yeah. Make 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 this uh, this world a better place for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. With um, like I said, what's going on in this world? I think men need this kind of brotherhood now more than ever. Um, I don't think there's a, um, a lot of places are changing their, um, standards and, you know, what they have in their clubs and organizations across the country, you know, all these local civic organizations. Um, I think masonry provides an outlet where men can be men, can be vulnerable with men, can learn from men. That mentorship is so important in the fraternity. Did you have a mentor going through your degrees, even though, yes, you were, um, the pandemic was happening and you had to start, stop? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, I'm very glad of my, my mentor. He, um, he was uh, a brother that was there with me all the step of the way. Whenever I had questions, he was there. And... Um, and still, we 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 have a really good communication up till now. Um, he's he's um, he's uh, asking me when I'm coming back to Florida. <laughs> sure, but yes, um, um, he's uh, from Brazil, so okay. we have you know some something in common that we share there because we were raised. Um, not in the in the United States. How was how is the age demographic in your lodge in Florida? Um, is it an older group? With the, is it a younger with the masonry, group? yeah, yes, I would say it's it's um it's an it's an older group, but I think it's it's um nationwide, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's similar. Yeah. Similar. That's I kind of figure that's how it is. Um, 
You were down there for two years in Florida, right? Or how long um, were you down in Florida? Um, since two thousand and nine, when I moved down. Oh, there. you were down there. So, so you got to deal with hurricane season, right? I have. I now, have. Tell us about that. How is that dealing with that down there? Uh, definitely, for that. definitely an experience because you feel like the building is going to come down any minute. <laughs> wow, I have no experience with that yes. up in Ohio. And um, usually after the hurricane and the storm and everything, you go out and everything is tore apart. Trees everywhere. Cars cannot go through the streets because it needs to be cleaned first. You know, there's a lot of branches and debris from the hurricane. And something that I'd never experienced before. It's, it, it's, it's totally different because when I was in Peru, I didn't even experience the snow. So snow was something very new to me, too. <laughs> you know, at the beginning, it was, this is so cool. But yeah. then as the years pass, no, this is not so cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> when you start driving in it. Exactly. Yeah, it's not fun no more. You have to get up in the morning, you know. And shovel. And 30, 30 minutes early, get up 30 minutes early so you can shovel and all that. Oh, yeah, make a path all the way to your car. <laughs> totally. But I think I'll keep the snow over, over hurricane season any day for me, personally. Yeah. Yeah, so... You've been listening a little bit to this podcast. You know, how did you get involved with it? Did you, was it Mike's Facebook, or did you just see what you know? Yes, um, you know, we we Mike and I we have a history together because we used to work together a long time ago when I was here living in in Ohio before I moved to Florida, and when I realized that he was going through his degrees because of social media. Um, I reached out to him. Uh, it, it was uh, just about the time when I, you know, just moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I asked him and talked to him a little bit, and then he introduced me to you, and um, that's how it all started. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you being a supporter of the show. Um, you know, Guys are knocking on the virtual door, and men need a way to find out what this fraternity is. You know, I I can't stand anti-Masonic rhetoric for people who, you know, are outsiders lurking in. I knocked on the door. I walked through that door. I got to experience, and I grew up pretty heavily Roman Catholic in my life, and there's not one thing in this fraternity that's ever went against my values and of my faith. I, I, I didn't have that experience either. Um, okay. I know that, um, I, throughout life, um, I had a lot of, uh, tests, um, you know, that I had to go through and really, really did test my, my values and morals. You know, um, but it's life. Yeah. You you have to understand that perhaps the situation that you're in, um, it's because you were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Doesn't necessarily mean that you caused it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well said. Well said. 
Yeah, uh, I agree 100% with that statement. You know, sometimes if you fail, it's one of the biggest learning lessons in your life. Yes. You know, and you got to grow up quick and you got to make a change and pivot. You got to always pivot. Yes. Yeah, you got to pivot in sales. You got to pivot in IT, trying to find that solution. How did you get into IT? Um, With IT, it's... um... I went to school in Peru before okay. I came here, and I took two years of uh, programming before I came here. And then learning English was my priority. Sure. Because when I came here, I thought that I spoke English until somebody started speaking 100 miles an hour, and I realized, no, <laughs> you don't speak English. <laughs> Um, but I went to school for um, for a couple of years, um, but my English was very slow paced. Oh yeah! So that was my priority, and then once I, you know, learned a little bit, I decided, oh, I'm good at this. Maybe I should learn another language. Maybe I should go to education and and and, and work on that. So that's when I decided to change my major to. Uh, education and world languages um, because I was really interested into that. You know, that's, that's, that's one of my passions, learning different language. And, and then it happened that I ended up in an IT um, position where it reminded me um, the time when I was programming down in Peru because by the time by the time I I I learn English and and I was programming, seven years have passed and a lot of things changed. Technology evolved. And I think and I thought that I was out of date. So when I came when I found this position in IT, it kind of like put me back into the IT field and I realized, oh, well, this is something that I really enjoy too. So I need to continue. So I have to change my, my major back to IT. Um, and then I'm, I've been in IT ever since. Nice. Um, yeah. The IT world is ever changing. New technologies, AI is becoming a new, bigger yes. um, you have to force keep, keep in there. You got to keep up. Yep. Keep up yeah. with technology. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time telling your story today on how one man becomes a Mason and the impact that this journey has had on you and to be able to be a part of the same fraternity that your father was in Peru. You know, um, as we round out our this episode, what's one thing you want to tell people about Masonry? Um, one thing that I would like to tell people about Masonry is to... Um, keep going to keep improving yourself. You you never know what's gonna happen after you know you know open doors open anytime. So just keep going and um, try your best because all all we're all here to do something, and we always have something to to improve on and and to learn. So. We're humans. <laughs> <laughs> That's my brother, Hector. I'm R.L. Franks, and you are all square. Hey, R.L. Franks here. Thanks again for watching today's episode. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you believe someone can benefit from the message that we provided on today's podcast, send it over to them. You may inspire them.